Greetings and welcome to EHA Unplugged, the official podcast channel of the European Hematology Association, EHA. This is a special Lighting the Flame edition where we talk to some of our promising and active members in the hematology community. Our guests in this podcast series have volunteered their time to attend and facilitate the Lighting the Flame program where they mentor young trainees and medical students in their field of hematology. In this podcast series, they talk about their experiences in their field and give advice to those who are interested in becoming a hematologist. So sit back and enjoy the podcast. So welcome to our discussion, our interview on a very special disease, the myelodysplastic syndrome. And I'm happy to have a brief interview and discussion with Kirsten Krombeck, an expert in the field. And maybe Kirsten, you briefly introduce yourself before we start. Yes, so my name is Kirsten Krombeck. So I am a professor in hematology at the Rees Hospital in Copenhagen in Denmark. And I work in the clinic with MDS patients. And then I have a lab where we also work with MDS research for quite a few years now. And we're particularly interested in the early phases of MDS. So my name is Constanze Döner. I'm a hematologist working at the University Hospital in Ulm, Germany. I'm also very interested in myeloid diseases, but it's more the acute um, version of MDS. It's acute myeloid leukemia and also myeloproliferative neoplasms. And I'm happy that we can have some discussions today. And, and the first thing I would like to ask you if you could um, provide some information or maybe give a, a short introduction. What is, I know it's, it's very difficult, what is myelodysplastic syndrome? Yeah, so, so it's actually a disease of the hematopoietic stem cells, the very early cells that gives rise to all the blood cells. So these cells will get a mutation or more mutations and which will actually um, make to either that they, they start to do extra proliferation and make blast or uh, they have difficulties in, in differentiation so that you will get low uh, red blood cells, low platelets and uh, low, low leukocytes typically. And this is also what gives all the uh, symptoms for the patients. So, so because they don't have many erythrocytes, like they have fatigue, they have anemia and fatigue. Um, they get infections because of the low leukocytes and they get bleeding and bruises because of the the uh, lack of platelets. So, so this is mainly what, what we deal with um, in most patients, but in like 25% of the patients, extra mutations comes along and the disease develops into acute myeloid leukemia. And this is a acute myeloid leukemia that is very difficult to treat. Um, also, when it comes to different kinds of treatment, it's very, I mean, it's a very heterogeneous group of diseases. So, so, so there are these very low uh, low-risk cases that, that live many years with the disease, with their cytopenias, and then there's the, the high-risk ones that are more like AMLs. And of course, this is one of the big discussions now, where is the border between MDS and AML? And, um, the, but the, the bad thing you could say is we don't have any real good treatment except for allodynic bone marrow transplantation. So, so uh, this is the only cure for MDS. Uh, and then the low risk, we support them with growth factors and, and there are special subtypes where we have some treatment that will work for a while, like linolidomide and Del5Q. And then, of course, with the high risk diseases, we have been using azacitidine for many years now. Uh, it does it extend life in about half of the patients, uh, but it, I mean, it's not a wonder drug. There are many uh, trials now where um, azacitidine is combined with 
almost everything, but 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 we're particularly waiting for the for the Brona trial, the, the, the phase three trial with venetoclax. Um, but in these patients, in general, are old. They are, have a median age of 75. So, so for many patients, that will be quite a rough treatment. And also, these elderly patients, of course, have so many comorbidities and and other issues, so they cannot go for allogeneic uh, transplant. So I really think this is a disease where we need to find new treatments. I mean, you nicely explained and you nicely demonstrated that the, the, the fraud heterogeneity and the difficulty that is related to this disease. And I think this, for me personally, this is the, uh, one of the really difficult diseases to diagnose. It's not really an AML. It's, it's, it's a kind of smoldering leukemia and we do not have um, the indication to treat the patient with really intensive chemotherapy right. that we are used to in acute myelogy chemo, but on the other hand, our treatment options are really limited and more or less not disease modifying. We just prolong, extend exactly. um, the course yeah. of the disease. So my question, Kirsten, is to you, what is the fascinating thing um, for you to work with MDS and to go into more um, yeah, the details and the, yeah. de the death of this disease. I think so. The fascinating part for me is actually, um, is actually that it's so hard to treat in a way because, I mean, there are really many challenges, uh, really many research questions you can ask. I mean, I'm also a researcher and I, I think from that perspective, it's a super interesting disease and we've got to know so much more about MDS over the last 10 years. So. So, so what we know now about MDS is that this long preclinical phase that, that so, so if you go at my age and older, you know, 10% of us have mutations in the same genes that are mutated in MDS, but now we have no clue why some are then developing disease, a few are developing disease and others are not. Um, we have then the next stage, sort of, where you have these mutations and you have cytopenia, but, but, but when the patients are then examined, they, come, they are sent to us with long-lasting cytopenia that is not caused by, by, immune by, by <laughs> vitamin deficiency or, or any other known cause, and, and we take a bone marrow, and it's not MDS, it's not, you know, for MDS there has to be 10% dysplastic cells or blasts, and, and these things are not there, but you have cytopenia, you have mutations. And this is, these patients are at high risk of, of developing disease. And I think this, this is very interesting because, I'm, I mean, there might be options for getting in early here if we can find new good treatments that can target or new, maybe it can be lifestyle changes. I mean, we, we do not know why, why in some patients these clones actually develop and in others they just stay stable. Um, so, so I think that, that is a big part of it. The, the, my other reason for entering MDS in the first place, I've always been very interested in ep epigenetics. And, and I mean, the epigenetic regulators are mutated uh, big time here. And, and, and we didn't know in the beginning. We just thought it was DNA methylation. And now we know there's the connection to DNMT3A mutations and to two mutations and so so. So I think from a, from a um, research side, it's a super interesting disease. Um, then to talk about the patients, because I see the patients also, and I actually like working with elderly patients. I think it's very um, rewarding in many ways. Um, it's, it's easy to do something good for them, even though, even though you do not cure them, because most of them you, you, you know you're not going to cure them, but you can certainly do a lot for their quality of life. And I think that's, that's actually also super important, and, and this should be the focus. Mm -hmm. 
So coming back to the research, and you mm -hmm. mentioned that already that, that the important role of these gene mutations and the early detection of these gene mutations, as well as um, the knowledge that we that we now um, know that these mutations seems to occur or not seems they occur much earlier, and now we have the tools to detect them, um, th which is really fascinating. So. What is the challenge here, or what, where do you see the focus um, in the field of MDS in the future? Is there a kind of um, a clinical consequence at the end, or do you think that we have now some tools that we can start earlier and, and maybe have more impact on the outcome of the patients? I, I think what well, I think we need to do a lot of research before that. I think we need to map who are those with a chip with the clonal hematopoiesis that have normal blood counts. Who, who of those are the ones that are going to develop disease? We can we can use our registers to find out. We can uh, we can also maybe do lab work. We can do mouse models. We can we can look into what what drives these clones. Uh, and it could be that if there are simple things that are involved in driving these clones, we know inflammation is is super important, and we also know there's a lot of diseases. That, uh, that are associated with a high grade of inflammation, and maybe that that could be one target. But I, I mean, all this has to be investigated first. So, so the the right population to start these uh, to start these investigations are, are the, the those with the clone cytopenia of undetermined significance. So these are the patients who have the mutations, the cytopenia, uh, but not yet MDS or any other disease. And and and, and it's been ruled out, of course, that just don't they don't have um, vitamin deficiency and things like that. So, so they are actually sent to us, so we see them anyway in our wards, and we, we have nothing to offer them. So they, they are very motivated to go on clinical trials, and I think, you know, here it makes sense uh, to investigate in that population whether we can modify the disease so we can take a lot of uh, samples from the patient and investigate them in the lab. And, and then if we see a signal or an indication that there's something that works here, and if we have a, and a harmless intervention, which could be exercise, vitamins, uh, statins, things like that, and then take it back to a chip population. Um, but one thing I think is important is to, to be able to also identify these chip patients in the population and maybe use some of these big registries we have already and, 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 and then identify uh, the patients and ask those that have chip if they want to come to, to participate in a trial. Hmm. So based on my experience, I think most of the patients coming to our outpatient clinic, they came with the question, oh, this is a cytopenia, what is behind that? Is mm -hmm. this a myelodysplastic syndrome or not? And then we start the whole machinery and, and, and we do a bone marrow examination, we look at the morphology and sometimes we do um, genetic uh, uh, analysis, but often we do not really find a clear sign for a myelodysplastic syndrome. Um, or for um, yeah, a hematologic disease. And what, what do you think, how should we deal with these patients, manage these patients in the future? What would your idea behind these patients or how to manage these patients would be? Yeah, so, so, so what, what we generally do is we, we, we I mean, so, so now, we, so of course, we take the bone marrow, we've, we divide them in those with mutations and those without, right? And no, no changes in, in the bone marrow, and no dysplasia, no. No MDS. And, and those without mutations, we, we send them back. But those with mutations, uh, as it is now, uh, I, think, I know there's a movement because, it, I mean, you have to reduce healthcare somewhere. 
And, and if, if it's um, an 85-year-old person with a tattoo mutation, this is probably never going to, to, to go anywhere. So it will be a little bit dependent on, on age. But, but what I think is, is, is good is probably to, to follow them a year or two and see does, does this develop. Because some of them will be very close to cross the border towards MDS. So, so in the younger population, at least, it's very important to follow them. Mm -hmm. But of course, we will not. Uh, I mean, there is no treatment for them as it is at the moment. But then I think it's, it's obvious to, to, to enroll them in clinical trials and learn more about this condition. Because, I mean, we have, we have very little to offer anyone above the age of 65, maybe, to, to or 70 yeah. to MDS, in MDS. So, yeah. so also, if we can do something that can prevent progression or postpone progression, then I think we already achieved a lot. Yeah, but I think it, it is the first step. You have to have a kind of structure. You have mm. to have a kind of plan how mm. you deal with these patients. And we have to collect data. We have to collect yeah. the biosamples. We have to get the experience first, yeah. what that yeah. means. Mm. And if it really makes a difference, if we do a kind of prevention with mm. whatever, mm. I think we need studies here. Yeah, exactly. But we can learn from that. And this is how we did it in other hematologic yeah, diseases, course. exactly yeah. the yeah. same way. But it needs a consorted action, and yeah. it needs a lot of um, logistics and organizations, and I mean, um, you are, I think, um, a major part in your, in your registry for MDS mm. patients, so I think this is um, really very, very helpful and will allow us to give much more insight. So based on that, mm -hmm. on your experience and your research work, what, what would you tell a young um, hematologist or a student, maybe becoming a hematologist, um, you have to do MDS because it's so... It's such a big challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's super interesting, but it ha I think for most students this becomes much more interesting if they understand the biology. But I think before they do that, I think they should meet the patients because, you know, you can either deal with this type of patients or you can't, you know, because, you know, you, know, you have patients where, where, where a, a big... Part of it is, is sort of finding the right treatment to the right patients and, and, and really considering quality of life above a lot of other things in a way because this is what maybe what we can do for these patients. And I think it's always good for them to, to spend, I always say, go and take half a year in the department first and then you can come and do a PhD with me. Uh, and, and, and because I think, you know, if they, if they don't know the patients, they, could, they, they can work on this disease for a long time and then get very scared in the end. So I think it's very important they get to know the patients. But then I also think it probably is most interesting for, for those students who always also want to do a little bit of research because then it becomes super interesting. But I think, you know, MDS has really changed its reputation over the last... 10 years because of these mutations and all this prediction we now can do and uh, I, I remember when I first started, I, I mainly started because of the, the, the DNA methylation and the, the VDES, I mean that was sort of my, my entry for that because I've been working with DNA methylation for many years in, other, in, in the lab. Um, and then, then there we thought that was the solution. Oh, no, that was not the solution. I mean, we're probably going to find out more and then there's probably something on top or, or underneath also the mutations that we're going to to learn, and I think there's still there's still so many interesting research questions. And like we all like we found, found recently found this new disease vexus, right, which is sort of a cousin for MDS, right, um, which was a special mutation, and maybe there will be a special treatment. You know, I think I think it's it's a very exciting field if you are young and interested and 
a little bit interested in biology also. So, so based on these really helpful developments and insights we have now in myelodysplastic syndrome, where do you see the disease or where would you like to see the disease with regard to development of, of drugs or to, to uh, early intervention in the next 10 years? What, what is your expectation? I think it depends a lot on whether you're talking about early MDS or late MDS. Or, uh, unfortunately, in this disease, um, for example, immune therapy has not been very successful. Uh, I know there are some attempts to also make CAR-T and myeloid, but so far, I mean, probably not going to mm. cure with that kind of treatment. Um, so I actually see, but it, it might be my uh, naive <laughs> or, or, or maybe born out of my research interest, but I, I, I think the idea of prevention or, or interception and postponing progression um, would be a field where I'm really hoping we can do something and maybe we can also, um, I mean, make this like other chronic diseases in hematology really where you can live longer and better with your disease. I think that will be my goal in my time, I think. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure we go, we're not going to cure MDS with anything but allogeneic bone marrow transplantation. But it's actually strange because you should think that immune therapy would work because in the broader sense allogeneic bone marrow transplantation is immune therapy, right? So, so it could be that some smart person would find some. Another thing we're actually working on, but that is only on, in mouse models now, is vaccinations, so peptide vaccinations, um, which also is sort of a way of trying to postpone the disease. But, so I think there are, there are many interesting new fields. Yeah, and, and, and like for the other myeloid disorders or diseases, I think we are clear on the way to have a more precision medicine, precision yeah. hematology yeah. for our sure. patients based on all these mm. insights and yeah. to refine um, prognosis yeah. and to offer them maybe targeted drugs or more mm. targeted drugs or mm. predictive, they have a predictive marker. I think mm. this is going in a, in a really very nice and good direction because for many, many years nothing happened no, no, in that disease. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. But I also think knowing the biology, as you said, you know, there, we know that there are some drugs maybe that would work in, 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 in specific subtypes of MDS. Because, I mean, MDS is such a heterogeneous disease. So, but for example, you have all of those with the splice site mutations. So there might be splice, splicing factor attacking drug. That, I mean, spliceosome uh, uh, targeted drug that might, might have an effect. Or, you know, some of these new things. And, and I think we just need to keep Make, doing clinical trials and keep doing research and um, come up yeah. with good ideas. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a clear perspective and mm. you have clear aims and mm. you are very active in research and I think these are the most fascinating points to yeah. work <laughs> with MDS. So I thank you very much for this um, very interesting and informative yeah. interview and thank you for listening. Thank you.